Afternoon, football fans. Hope you've managed to grab yourself a few hours sleep. We certainly have done. The excitement of round one is in the rearview mirror, unfortunately. But wasn't it great to have a little bit of live sport back, even if it was in a slightly strange format? But to be fair, fair play to the NFL. No major hiccups, apart from the commissioner mixing up his words on a few occasions. But the technology held up pretty strong. Uh, and I'm joined by a few of the chaps to have a talk through the first round. So we've got Michael, James and Lee all joining me. Uh, we'll get straight into it, fellas. Um, right at the top of the draft, I don't think there was any surprises. But obviously, Joe Burrow going off the board first. Lee, I think this has pretty much been signed, sealed and delivered since the end of the regular season, hasn't it? No surprise whatsoever that that was the pick that ultimately was made. No, not really. I mean, um, I had a few technical issues when I was watching the first few picks and I was really glad that the first few picks were kind of nailed on because I would have been really annoyed if I'd missed them. Um, but yeah, Burrow kind of nailed on, like you say, since the end of the season. No, uh, no, no two ways about it, really. Yeah, and then James, next one I down, like you said, probably you know fairly obvious, but Chase Young, the only reason I mentioned that it was potentially a pivot point, there was obviously a bit of talk about picks two and three potentially being available for the you know teams like the Dolphins, the Chargers, potentially to move up and select the quarterback of their choosing. That ultimately didn't happen. Chase Young and Jeff Akuda off the board two and three, pretty much as Lee said, mate, as expected, you would say there? Yeah, I think the Redskins just had effectively the best player in the draft just two of them on a plate and no one was going to give them the farm for it. And Detroit, obviously all the speculation was, will Detroit trade out of three? But to be honest, with with the way that the draft board was set out and with each team's needs, there was probably no... Teams like Miami weren't going to give up a lot to move up that far when, let's be honest, we'll we'll come to Tua, was never going to go to the Lions or the Giants. And it it would purely have been, you know, two teams batting against each other. And Detroit just said, now nah, we'll have it ourselves. Yeah, no, absolutely. It made sense. Certainly filled a big need for the Lions. And, and as you say, probably as many people expected, I think that was the shortest price in the betting for the top three picks, wasn't it? Uh, and many, many a mock draft had them in that order. I think any mock draft that had the Lions trading out probably still had them picking up a Cuda later on. So I think everybody probably got those three picks pretty much nailed on. First mini surprise of the night then, Michael, possibly um, the Giants taking offensive tackle. Probably not too much of a surprise, although obviously people thought that Gettleman may well have gone with the sort of sexier picking as I.S. Simmons that was still on the board. Possibly a little bit of a surprise with the tackle they took, though. Andrew Thomas out of Georgia, um, first big man, um, obviously getting some protection for Danny Dimes. Do you think that was a decent enough move? Yeah, I do. And I think it was the obvious pick as well. I think it was the one they had to make as opposed to being tempted or lured away by the likes of Simmons that was still on the board, but uh, a blocker for Barkley and more protection for Jones is just what they needed. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, he was a player that had fell in many a, a mock draft. I think a lot of people had Wills going there and obviously McCoy Beckton, if he hadn't have had the failed test at the combine, could have been in consideration with his off-the-chart combine numbers. Um, but Thomas, the first lineman off the board, he was heavily backed, I think, under 10.5 or 11.5 yesterday. So everybody would have been cashing that one in pretty early on. Lee, I'm going to come back to you, mate, for picks five and six, because these could have gone in either order. I think the media were doing their best to drum that up before the start of the event. 
I'm no draft expert or college expert, as I always say, but even I could have probably mortgaged the fact that Tua would end up in Miami. That was talk for 12 months or more. It didn't seem logical to me that it wouldn't happen. And it did obviously play out that way with Tua at five. And then obviously your Chargers, new era, mate, Justin Herbert being picked up at six. What's your reaction to both of those? Yeah, definitely. No, I'll start with Tua. Um, like kind of what we've been going through in the last couple of podcasts that we've done, that with Miami's plan being such a kind of cornerstone of how they went about things over the past 12 months or so in terms of like tanking for two or however they want to kind of market it. Um, it would have been bizarre to kind of change at the last moment, even given his injury. Um, they've still got Ryan Fitzpatrick. He can still sit there for a year um, with Hover and he's a very talented quarterback. So, you know, it's very positive for Miami. They had, I think they had a really good night overall. And got, you know, we'll go into their other picks later on. But yeah, two is kind of like the slam dunk of the pick as you, you sort of mentioned as we kind of came on. Um, so yeah, no, really positive for Miami. I think they've got a good, good, good quarterback there, uh, one for the future. And then I think the same for us ourselves, to be fair. Um, I'm not going to lie. I think I've come on the podcast and said I didn't... You know, I wouldn't have picked uh, Justin Herbert, but I'm not against it either. I just wanted Isaiah Simmons to build up the defence. And I'm kind of being, I think with the, the picks that we got in the AFC West, they're kind of been justified in that a little bit. But still really excited. I think Justin Herbert's a great prospect. I think he's got all the intangibles in terms of his leadership, even though that's kind of been top down. And also the, you know, all the tangible factors, all the quarterback stuff. And again, like Tua, he's got a, a little bit of time to marinate behind Tyrod Taylor for the year. And, you know, kink, work out the kinks and, and improve and then come in 2021 and hit the ground running, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely, man. I think yeah, one of the drivers for that is hopefully, obviously, you won't be picking anywhere near the top 10 next year. So, obviously, like you say, probably strike while the opportunity was there. Yeah, and obviously, that's what they've done. Um, James, we then had a run on some defensive players. And again, obviously, some of the names that we were expecting to come off the board. Derek Brown to the Panthers to obviously anchor the defensive line. Isaiah Simmons, who obviously um, had got a lot of noise and traction it was very difficult to pin him down because obviously you know is he a linebacker is he a safety he's a bit of a jack of all trades but he ends up in the desert and then again a team that no one had a handle on really Jacksonville they could have gone in multiple directions but they take the second corner off the board in CJ Henderson so defence heavy to round out the first nine selections mate any of those come as a big surprise or any of those that you think are a real slam dunk for the team that picked them up um it's kind of each of the three picks. I had three different reactions. I thought Derek Brown felt a bit of an obvious one because the Panthers needed D line more than anything, I think. And he Brown did fit the bill, and it was one of those everyone was just sort of shouting at the TV and shouting at Twitter saying, saying Panthers Brown easy. And to be fair, I think nearly every mock I saw that was the combo. Um, Cardinals, I fully expected to go tackle. And on previous podcasts, I've been saying how. You know, you can have all the offensive weapons in the world, but if you can't keep them on the feet because you've not got an offensive line, it's kind of pointless. Um, but when Isaiah Simmons drops to you at eight and you still need every defensive position, it's hard to say no. So it was one of those, okay, I assume you'll deal with tackle later, but the best way available, I can't argue. Henderson is it's one of those where it's the right pick for Jacksonville it's maybe not necessarily the right pick for number nine. Um, I think the Jags glaring, glaring need a cornerback. I mean, they've, they've let go of quite a lot of talent and not really replaced it particularly well. So they went for what is effectively the best cornerback on the board at the time. But is he really worth a top 10 pick? I'm not so sure, um, especially when they also had other needs as well. They could probably have come back to that later. But... Um, I'll be honest, I expected the Jags would have traded down uh, just a few picks for someone 
looking for an offensive tackle um, with the likes of Worst and Wills still on the board than Becton. Uh, but I think because there were so many still available, that trade just didn't materialise, so they just went for their guy. Yeah, and you kind of teed that up lovely for me there, mate, because like you say, that was one of the features, wasn't it? There wasn't any trading at all in the top 10, in the top um, 12 picks, as it turned out. Um, and those offensive tackles came off then in a bit of a run. We had three in the next four picks. So Jedrick Wills went to the Browns. Um, I'm thrilled with that. Um, you know, I trust Joe Thomas's evaluation of offensive linemen, and he seemed extremely happy with that prospect. Obviously, moving out from the right-hand side at Alabama, where he was protecting to his blind side, um, but the Browns will slot him in at left corner. Uh, left corner? Left tackle. I hope he doesn't play corner. That, that could be interesting. <laughs> He's a bit light on his feet, but yeah, fair <laughs> um, Talking of a big guy light on his feet, Mackay Beckton next off the board at 11. Um, obviously, looks like the Jets still um, you know, pretty enamoured with the, um, you know, the sheer freak of nature, despite the off-field issues. Um, and then we'll miss pick 12 and circle back to it because we'll go to 13. And that was the first trade. The book's moving just up one spot from 14 um, into 13 to select Tristan Worse. Must have been a pretty much a dream scenario for them that Worse was still around at that point. Um, and they made the move to secure the um, offensive lineman uh, to protect Tom Brady. Um, Michael, I'm going to come to you now, mate, because I've said we've missed pick 12. I did that deliberately because we expected a run on wide receivers in around this range in the draft between sort of picks 12 to 15, where the Raiders, the Niners and the Broncos were all scheduled to pick. The Niners ultimately didn't go that direction. They did move back one spot and ultimately ended up taking Javon Kinlaw. Um, but probably another mini surprise, Henry Ruggs probably most considered the third best wide receiver, but he was the first one off the board to the Raiders. Um, and then with the pick of um, Judy or Lamb, the Broncos ultimately go with Jerry Judy. Um, what was your reaction, mate, in terms of the way the wide receivers came off the board? Yeah, I really didn't think that Ruggs was going to be the first off the board at all. Um Anything that had sort of been reading had sort of went um, Jerry, Judy, CeeDee Lamb, then Ruggs. But, you know, when you've got John Gruden and Mike Mayock running the team and we know how sort of flexible and whimsical they like to be sometimes, it's it's really no surprise. As for Jerry, Judy ending up in Denver, I think that's a great fit. It's someone that Drew Locke can really build with uh, and to go to the other side of Court and Sutton is a great addition. And that offense is sort of slowly starting to build into something that I think John Elway will, will be proud of. And... Then you talk about CD Lamb. Well, Jerry Jones, you know, we sort of just talked about how he was left on his own, left to his own devices. Is it a case of did he take the receiver despite the evil, despite the Eagles? Did he take it because he feels like he needs them, or 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 what was his thinking behind that? But I think it's a good fit, and I think now you're sort of looking at a super offense that's built in down in Dallas. Yeah, it's an interesting one. It obviously caused a bit of a stir in our WhatsApp group last night as we were watching it. Tim, obviously not best pleased with the selection. The more I think about it, and Lee, you were sort of banging this drum last night, it's it's almost a case of I don't think anybody expected CD Lamb to drop all the way to 17. And when somebody of that talent is available, you've probably just got to, you know, take the pick, haven't you? There were probably obvious more need, you know, more obvious needs for the Cowboys, but... Like you say, with him being there at 17, it, it was just pretty much a bit of a layup, and ultimately Jerry Jones did pull the trigger, didn't he? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I personally, I mean, I'm not a Dallas fan, so I'm not kind of invested. But from the outside looking in, I think it's a great pick. Um, I know the Cowboys do have a need, especially the secondary. But the draft seven rounds long, and I think you can still pick up a cornerback and a safety today um, later on uh, in the second and third round. 
City of Amiens is a value pick. You know, when you're a player of that caliber drops this far, as you said, it's just the plan kind of goes out the window and you've just got to pull the trigger because, like you said, I mean, a super offense is kind of what, what you're creating there. You know, Dak really picked up his form and I've, I've been a Dak detractor for, well, the whole time he's been in the league, really. But I had to show up last year because he was very, very good. And then you've got Mario Cooper, Gallup, CD Lamb, um, Ezekiel, a good defensive line. What, you know, how many points are you going to put up? I mean, even if you... Even if you put it up, um, you know, sorry, even if you're conceding quite a lot of points as well, you, you're going to blow some teams out of the water with that offence as long as it all clicks. So you're going to win some games just by that. And that's how the NFL is going, as we all know, unfortunately, in my opinion. You know, it's all about putting up points, as we've seen. Um, so, I mean, Dallas can just jump on that trend, really. And it's, I think it's going to work for them. Um, they might have just paid Mario Cooper, but in that time that he'll be paid, Bam's not getting paid too much. And, they, you know, they've got that succession plan on board already. So I think it's, I think it's going to work really well. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how it does end up panning out. I think, like you say, it might be one that people look back on and say, actually, what a stroke of genius it was. Because, like I said, I just don't think anybody had him mopped there because no one saw him falling mm-hmm. that far. I'll stick with yourself, Lee, just in terms of cornerbacks, because I think this was a position that many people got ranked slightly differently in terms of the order they felt they would come off the board. There was obviously a lot of talk pre-draft about the Falcons potentially trading up, and CJ Henderson was a name to look out for. That obviously didn't materialise. They end up staying at 16, taking AJ Terrell, and then the Raiders a few picks later at 19, picking on uh, picking up Damon Arnett. Um, obviously, a couple of cornerbacks off the board there, probably not in the order that, again, everybody had them ranked but do you think any of those are particular stretches I think the two that we've mentioned are a little bit I mean especially for my rankings and how I had them ranked um, but obviously everyone's kind of everyone in our position is kind of ranking for 32 teams whereas the people who drafted in their front office staff are picking specifically for what they need so it's a bit easier for them in that regard and they get way more information um, it's not good for my brand personally because I've got Christian Fulton as my CB2 and he's still on the board <laughs> after all these cornerbacks have come off but I think Terrell's a good corner. I think I mentioned uh, when I was picking for the Kansas City Chiefs in our podcast um, that we did last week. I think he's a good corner. I think quite a lot of people down on him through the National Championship game. Um, but he had a great season. And I think, to be fair, I think he'll be a good fit in Atlanta, maybe a little bit earlier, like we say. I think Arnett was a reach as well. And I think I, I kind of went into this when we were talking about cornerbacks on our uh, mock draft podcast. Um, but again, I think he's a Gruden's kind of player who's experienced, he can play inside and out. So he kind of got that versatility there. And then the other position is the secondary, you know, with uh, John Abram. Um, Marcus Joyner, people like that. So they've got a good, good defence building at the back end to the Raiders. Um, so I think it, it fits their style, and that's what I kind of mean. You know, if they know that what their style and what kind of person they want in the building, then they can kind of draft that. Whereas we're on the outside looking in, just ranking what we see on the field, and that kind of skews you a little bit. So yeah, no, I think the cornerbacks in general were kind of ranked a little bit differently from the media and then the NFL side of things. But it makes things interesting. It it kind of went. It, this is the kind of area where the draft did start to get interesting because the first ten picks really without surprise for myself. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like you say, plenty of movement at the back end of the draft, which we're coming on to as well, and with teams sort of um, positioning themselves to get their guy. James, I'll come to you. A couple of picks that happened in the state of Florida. Obviously, the Dolphins back on the clock at 18. They took Austin Jackson, offensive lineman. It was obviously another position of need, and obviously after then investing into where they were obviously going to always try and get him some protection. So Austin Jackson becomes the fifth lineman off the board. And then the Jags back on the clock for their second selection. They take Calavion Chison, um, probably, again, most people's second-ranked um, edge rusher. Um, like I said, the Jags are very difficult team to get a handle on. But I think, you know, pass rush certainly an issue um, outside of Josh Allen, who obviously had a great um, rookie season. They're obviously needing to replace Calais Campbell. So possibly two good fits there, I'd say, for the Florida teams. Yeah, I think both of them went well. 
pick the right players at the right moments, really. I mean, Austin Jackson may be a tiny reach, but not for Miami's needs and for the way that tackles have been going off the board, I think it was probably what they needed to do, get Austin Jackson bedded in for a year and then get him ready for tour. Um, I think Chase on falling to 20 into the Jags' hands is probably... I was, I, I'm pointing it as one of, one of the wins. I mean, my wife's a Jags fan, and she was... When I told her this morning, because she lightweight couldn't stay up for it. Um, when I told her this morning that you might actually have sorted out some of your defensive pieces, she looked looked wearily and smiled. So I think that was a, a nod of approval. <laughs> now, like you say, Matt, I think you know one that's fell into the laps potentially that low down in the draft, but certainly a position of need. Um, Michael, we're going to come back to you, and it just so happens we're talking wide receivers again, mate. Um, next two off the board wide receivers, um, probably again not in the order that people expected. I think most people probably thought Justin Jefferson had come off fourth in terms of best of the rest in terms of the wide receiver group. Um, but it was actually Jalen, is it Ragor? Is that how you pronounce it, Lee? Yeah, that's right. Jalen Ragor, then Justin Jefferson, and then the 49ers a little bit later trading back up to the 25th pick and taking Brandon Ayuk. Um, so three more receivers off the board between picks 22 and 25. Uh, sorry, 21 and 25. Any of those particularly surprise you, mate? Um, you think the good fits for the teams that they've ended up at? Uh, well, I think the surprising one for me anyway, um, you know, not being as clued into the draft and as college football as everybody else is and just going sort of off Twitter speak was obviously the Eagles passing on Justin Jefferson. Uh, from everyone I follow on Twitter, you know, sent him into some form of rage. Everyone seemed disappointed that they passed on him. But, I mean, to, to take Jalen Rigor, uh, everything is mentioned about him is speed. and It's exactly what Philadelphia need. I mean, they, they couldn't go any other position at this point. As for the Vikings, you know, the land, Justin Jefferson, who they probably didn't think they would have a chance to take him, is, is a bonus and to be able to replace Stefan Diggs. So, you know, good fits for both teams, just not in the order that everybody thought they were going to go. Yeah, just in terms of Brandon Ayuk, and Lee, I'll get your view on this because I'm going to come to you because the Chargers traded back up to 23, so we'll pick up that in a second. But before we get there, just in terms of Brandon Ayuk, I just thought this was a strange one from the Niners because they haven't got a lot of draft capital heading in. Um, they obviously made that small move earlier on in the day to drop down a pick, but it seemed to me that Javon Kinlaw, very good player, obviously, but probably felt more like a luxury pick. They could have had one of the premier wide receivers at their pick at, for, you know, at 14 after trading back. Um, you know, and then potentially they wouldn't have had to have used even more capital to get back up to 25. Did you think that was a bit of a strange way of them going at it, considering where they were on the board? Yeah, I think when you look at it from the point of view, when you look at both picks together and the order that they did things, yeah, it is a little bit funny because, like you said, they couldn't have had a premier wide receiver for is it, 14, it was 14 actually by that point, wasn't it? Not 13 because they moved back. Um, and then they could have picked another defensive tackle like Ross Blacklock or Justin Madabuki or something like that later on and not, not really moved about. They could have done those pick two picks with. With ease, and even if they could have done a short move back, obviously the the sort of end of the first round has shown they could have got one of those defensive tackles, uh, you know, in the thirties, even if they moved back, in, you know, or forward even a little bit more if they wanted to do that. But yeah, it's a little bit weird. But it's, it's, they're both nice fits. I mean, I don't understand why you get rid of Devoris Buckner, who's a kind of known commodity, to bring in a rookie. I guess the cost came into it. But Brandon Ayuk's a nice fit for them as well. Shanahan likes these kind of running back style wide receivers. He's already got one Debo Samuel. They don't really have like a traditional like, X receiver. They just kind of have these guys who can create uh, in space. And that's kind of how Shanahan's offense works. And 
can be versatile with it and kind of put them in different situations. So yeah, a little bit of a weird way to go about it. I don't really understand why they gave up so much to go in and get Ayuk. I don't think he's that special, but it's, it's again, it's a team fit for them. I think it works really well for them. I don't think it's something that everyone would have done. It's not like a, uh, a slam dunk kind of thing, like picking CD Lamb or, or Jerry Judy or something like that. But yeah, it, it should work for them. I think Shanahan's a genius. Yeah. Yeah, not much left for them in terms of draft capital. So, like you say, for their sake, you hope that they um, obviously have nailed that selection. <laughs> obviously, another team that got aggressive then, mate, getting back into the first round, the Chargers yet again, and selecting linebacker Kenneth Murray, good leader for the defence, mate. Mm, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's got really exciting, actually, because I, it's not really a Chargers move. We're not Tom Tesco and Anthony have never really done this sort of thing. They've done like, the odd little move up here and there, like we were from Melvin Gordon um, three or four years ago. But generally, just kind of little moves this was quite aggressive though jumping up um, a good 15 spots or so off the top of my head uh, to grab yeah like I said defensive leader a player that to be honest with you when it went down I was thinking it was a tackle to be honest with you because I, did, I didn't think we'd jump up for a linebacker but um, having thought about it and having slept on it a little bit uh, I do stress a little bit um, it's one of the things where I just think it's quite a good pick now I think he's immediately our best linebacker he's going to fit what we want to do he's going to be aggressive he's quite versatile um, so yeah, no, I'm, I'm quite happy about it. I'm just a bit gutted that I'm missing out on the on the days worth of drafting and kind of being a spectator now for the, the Saturday evening and come back on Sunday. But no, I think it effectively costs us a third round pick. Um, if you think of you know, Murray as the second pick that we, we take. Um, so yeah, no, more than happy actually. Um, now that we've, we've done it, now I've had a little sleep on it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like you say, if it's price worth paying, if he's the guy that you want, and like you say, fills a position of need. Um, a team that hadn't got a lot of holes, we talked about it um, just the other day with Dave on the pod. Um, the Saints ended up taking interior offensive line um, in Cesar Ruiz. Won't spend too much time on that. The Saints could have gone in a number of directions. We will spend a bit of time, though, gents, on picks 26 and 27, because these have got to be two of the strangest picks in the draft. So, James, let's come to you. Pick 26. Yeah. I can just imagine the look on Aaron Rodgers' face when this one got read out. Obviously, the Packers um, thinking of the future. Bearing in mind Aaron Rodgers' contract essentially locks him into Green Bay for the next three years. Um, I know this is the route that they took, obviously, all the way back when they picked up Rodgers to sit and learn behind Brett Favre. But the league is obviously a different place these days. It just seemed like such a waste of a pick for the Packers at this spot, trading up to do this as well. Um, surely got to go down as one of the biggest shockers of the night, Jordan Love, off the board. Everyone expected him as the fourth quarterback, probably. But I don't think many people had him at the Packers at this point. What was your thoughts on him? Yeah, the same. It was... It was just one of those where you just looked and you're like, what? Um, it, the, the Packers seem to be using their Rodgers blueprint again, however many years down the line. And obviously they sat Rodgers for three or four years before he really came into the side and replaced Favre. And that turned out well. And he, he almost was in a similar position to Love, except Rodgers was expected to go higher, whereas Love was probably expected to maybe drop into the second or at least, you know, it would have been a team training in t- back into the first round. I was sort of envisaging a kind of Lamar Jackson kind of, I'm going to take, I'm going to trade in at pick 32 with the Chiefs and um, like the Ravens did a few years ago and someone like Indy might go for him. But in the end, the Packers, uh, the, it's not like the Packers have got no other needs. I mean, they're still, they, I mean, they don't use tight ends anyway, but they're going to have to think about it if they're going to be moving on from Rodgers soon. They still need a second wide receiver. They still need O-line help. They still need most pieces on the defense. 
and it's a can they could have easily kicked down the road. So it's a very strange one, but in some respects, you almost wonder if it was, well, we don't see uh, us having a chance of getting anyone decent as a successor in the next few years. Let's just take one while that in a draft where we know there are four and we know we're going to have a chance to get someone who can replace Rodgers. Yeah, certainly a strange one, isn't it? Like you say, you know, Rogers, you would imagine he's going to be around for at least those next three years. And I'll be surprised if Jordan Love ever plays meaningful time for the Packers. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he does. Um, we're going to stay with Jordan or Jordan, however you pronounce it, Michael, and come to the Seahawks pick, which is another bit of a surprise. I think, you know, I'd certainly done my fair share of PFF mock draft simulators and this guy was always available in around the third round. Um, the Seahawks generally trade out of the first, but they didn't this year. They stay, but ultimately probably take a talent that could have been got lower down. Um, Patrick Queen was still on the board, so it must have been a bit of a surprise to see Jordan, Bo- Jordan Brooks's name being called here. Yeah, absolutely. And as you mentioned, you know, I even said it last night when we were all talking that I would be surprised if the Seahawks didn't trade out because it's sort of what they're, you know, tip- it's typical of, of them to, to come back out of the first round. But I, I was sort of in a, in a moment of silence with myself last night when this name was called out because out of all the mocks I've read, and as I mentioned, you know, I haven't looked too deep into this, but Jordan Brooks' name was never once mentioned anywhere close to the first round. And as you said, you know, second, even third round is where they could have picked him up. But again, see Pete Carl and, you know, the Seahawks, they're just working sort of strange ways, don't they? And it's sort of typical of what the of what to do, the sort of blindside you with these random picks and then five years down the line, you're looking at a player that has excelled massively. You know, all this week the talk has been, you know, how eight years ago the 2012 draft class was graded with an F and that included KJ Wright, Bobby Wagner and Russell Wilson. So confusing to start off with, but I'm not going to judge the, the whole weekend based off this pick, but I'm hoping to see more sensible picks like an offensive lineman, like an edge rusher, you know, taking in the next couple of days, but I'll not hold my breath. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to see where they end up, mate. Like I say, certainly seemed a bit of a reach. It obviously created the open goal, which, of course, the Ravens tapped into the back of the net and picked up Patrick Queen in a position of need for them. Um, Lee, I'm then going to come back to you, mate. I think Mike Vrabel wins draft room of the night, doesn't he? It was a cracking picture of uh, Mike Vrabel's <laughs> war room. Um, what was going on? I, I think the best part of it was that Vrabel was just sat there as though it's completely normal. That was yeah. <laughs> yeah, very, very, very straight. One of the bits I really enjoyed about the draft, to be honest, is insight into people's houses. And obviously Cliff Kingsbury's <laughs> on too much money. That's all we can all say looking at his bad. <laughs> Um, but pick 29, mate, Isaiah Wilson, um, obviously had a hole to fill with Jack Conklin being um, sort of moved on in free agency. Um, so Isaiah Wilson goes there and then just to round out the Dolphins Hall on the night, uh, I'll have a go pronouncing this, Noah Igbin Ogaini. That sound about right? Obviously, if yeah, I said it quicker. A bit quicker, yeah. bit quicker. Yeah, yeah, bit quicker. So, yeah, um, so Wilson for starters, um, yeah, fills the, fills the hole. Um, he's another giant guy. He's kind of like a, I, want, I don't want to say mini Mackay Beckton because that's not the right word to say, but kind of a Mackay Beckton liar or like a poor man's version, maybe. I don't know what I'm saying. I none, of these, none of these analogies kind of work because we're talking about huge men. Um, but yeah, I think he's a player that's kind of gathered a lot of pace and kind of gathered a lot of hype towards the sort of end of the draft cycle. Um, even a ridiculous kind of. Uh, moment in time when he was kind of being rumoured to go above Andrew Thomas, obviously his teammate at Georgia. Um, but yeah, like you say, he'll just slot in, should slot in quite nice on the right-hand side. Um, he's one of those tackles that's that big that 
because of his physical dimensions, physically actually find it really difficult to get past him, even if he's not very good at being a, an offensive tackle. So there's kind of a higher floor just because he's that large. So yeah, good, a good pick for me for, for uh, the Titans. And she um, was like, you say, slot in right there. And then no Ibrogany. A um, bit of a weird one because obviously they just paid Byron Jones and got Xavier Howard. Um, so I don't know if they're going to kind of mix things up. Maybe Byron Jones will play a bit of safety. Uh, but again, another another good player, another player with a really high season as well. Not been playing uh, cornerback for too long. He's been a wide receiver when he came to Auburn. Um, but has all the physical tools, especially you know being a wide receiver, he's got the ball skills to play and make plays at cornerback. And that's all what defense is about nowadays, isn't it? About getting turnovers. Um, and if Flores can kind of get him under his wing and, and kind of mould him, could be another one, another good one. I mean, I guess the fact that they've got. Uh, Byron Jones and Xavier Howard means they don't have to bulge him too quickly and he kind of can be brought on a bit slower than usual uh, given that he needs to kind of work on his cornerback technique and kind of get a bit of refinement and polish. So again, I mean, like I said at the beginning when I was talking about Tua in Miami, I think the Dolphins had a good good night and, and Igmanogany, I think he'll get a little bit of sticks. It's a bit of a left field choice, but I think it's a really good pick again. I think he's a really talented player. Yeah, certainly, like you say, another position, um, you know, filled in terms of that first round draft, although they've obviously got so much capital, um, they can hopefully now go to the best player available in the number of slots that they need. Um, the Vikings ended up with pick 31 after trading back with the 49ers after their move up for Brandon Ayuk, and they pick up a cornerback in Jeff Gladney. Um, so I think a lot of people had corner and wide receiver to the Vikings with their two picks, so that's a box ticked for them. And then to round out the first round, the first running back off the Board, possibly a little bit of a surprise in terms of the name, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, um, but seems to me to fit quite nicely into that um, scheme that he'll be in in Kansas City. Um, and obviously, they have the luxury, um, you know, of essentially not having many holes and can go with the player that suits them best. So that was, gents, the first round. Um, like I say, really, really interesting to see it done in the format that it was. Um, Really, really good work from the NFL to give us something, um, you know, to distract us from everything that's going on in the world. And, you know, I thought it was really, really good, the sort of whole video packages and getting some of the um, communities involved in sort of announcing some of the picks and that kind of stuff. It was really, really good to see. be interesting to see how they deal with it moving forward. Because obviously, you know, the commission always announces the picks on day one and then they spread it out. So see how it goes tonight and tomorrow. Um, and let's quickly turn our attention to tonight and tomorrow in terms of what we might see. Just in terms of betting, um, just a big shout out to Adam. I said I would be nice to him on this podcast. He had quite a good night yesterday. It's got to be said, he's draft right. It was pretty bang on the money. And if you followed the bets, you would have made yourself a few quid. Um, so congrats to Adam on that. Um, I think he's winning our £100 challenge as well. I think he's got three out of four up and they've still got one in play. I think it's Cole Komet to be first um, tight end off the board. Um, so there's every chance that one might be coming in as well. If you're looking for a good bet tonight, um, he's got the Patriots taking defence first at 8-11. to 11. Um, Or if you think that you can even nail the position, he's got it at 7-2 to two to be a defensive lineman. Um, you know, again, I think they probably both make a lot of logical sense. So either 8-11 to 11 or 7-2 to two if you're feeling a bit more risky. Um, where do you think we're going tonight then, boys? Um, obviously still quite a lot of what teams will have as first round grades on the board for a number of players. Um, let's do this in reverse order to what I came to initially. So, Michael, let's come to you, mate. Any sort of um, names you're expecting early on today? And obviously, you know, just from you putting your Seahawks head on, you said that you want to see some more sensible picks, I think was the word that you used. Who do you hope the Seahawks <laughs> pick up over the course of today and indeed tomorrow? 
Well, they have two second round picks, so I'm hoping that they're going to make picks that are really going to sort this offensive line out. Um, as far as tackles, um, you know, Josh Jones was a name that was mentioned at the back end of the first. If he was the man to somehow default for them all the way down to pick 59, I think that would be a perfect scenario for them. Um, but other than that, uh, you know, they need to sort out edge with Kleine leaving as well. So two two glaring needs and two picks where they can definitely right the wrong so far. Yeah, James, you'll obviously be glad that the Steelers get in on the action tonight. Obviously now picking the first round following the Minka Fitzpatrick trade. Where do you want to see the Steelers go and obviously anything you're expecting from the draft overall tonight, mate? Um, I'm just hoping we don't exactly trade down and have to extend my stay up even longer. Um, <laughs> to, to be fair, the, the Steelers kind of need help in quite a lot of places. Um, I'm just hoping we don't try and go for a quarterback of the future to replace Ben in this draft because I, I think that ship has sailed. Um, I think you need to leave that for another year. So, you know, defensive line probably would be my preference. Um, but we shall see. I know a lot of people are saying running back and if the likes of Taylor, Dobbins or Swift do make it down to us, um, I can see it happening. I can't say I'm a massive advocate of it, but um, if James Gunn is going to keep getting injured, I'm sure I'll want to it. Yeah, and like you say, mate, um, I... As a obviously a fan of a rival team in the division, you know I, I can see um, Dobbins potentially being a bit of a nightmare for the Browns, but we will see if he does drop that far. Lee, you've obviously said, mate, you're going to have your neutral head on tonight. Obviously, the charge is not slated to pick tonight. I know you'll still be up watching though with interest, mate. What what do you expect from the draft in general? Who do you think might be the first one off the board tonight at 33? We obviously talk so much about number one because we've got so much time to think about it, but similar situation for the Bengals tonight. No one else in front of them they've got all day to think about it so who do you think goes 33 and then what you're looking for overall mate a couple of names for the Bengals um, kind of like you said before mentioned it in the group chat I've got Adam obviously Bengals fan uh, we're looking at an edge or maybe someone wide receiver like Denzel Mims something like that so edge maybe someone like Zach Bourne who I expected to go late first round so again one of these names that you kind of mentioned before who kind of slipped out of the first round and there's a lot of good talent there I think the second round is actually one of my favourite rounds because you still have a lot of talent there waiting um, your fall to be scooped up and to make your first pick look even better because it's been backed up with another great pick, uh, especially when you're in the top 10 uh, because obviously you get kind of almost two first rounds almost and I was kind of uh, looking forward to the Chargers pick at 37 for that reason but obviously got Kenneth Murray on board now. So what we're looking at overall, um, like I said, just a lot, of, a lot of good players to go off the board, Xavier McKinney, I'm really, really surprised that he's still on the board and a little bit of a run on running backs as well, we kind of touched on it there with James, uh, Andre Swift, Taylor, Dobbins and also uh, Cam Akers as well from Florida State. I think we'll see like a little bit of run, a run with those guys. I think they'll all come off the board in the second round. Um, a lot of good wide receivers still left as well. A couple of couple of columns as well. So lots of lots and lots of talents off the board. Lots and lots of good picks to be had by by some lucky teams coming tonight. I think. Yeah, um, James said he didn't want the Steelers to go quarterback. Jalen Hurts, probably the big name that's left at that quarterback position. I think most people have gone down as ranked fifth out of the group. Um, do you think the Jags pulled the trigger tonight? Yeah, it could do. Yeah, it really could do. Um, if the Chargers didn't go um, the route that they did and pick up Justin Herbert, Hurts was definitely a player that I'd have considered at 37 or maybe trading back a little bit into the 40s or 50s and picking up in the second round. So, yeah, it could do. I think Minshew, as Tim mentioned on our podcast uh, recently, I think Minshew could do a bit of competition and Jalen Hurts uh, needs a bit of, bit of work as well and he's quarterback in, so maybe having a bit of competition and 
uh, kind of iron sharpen iron, as they say, maybe in the off season and throughout the early part of their careers together could could lead to the Jags having a really good kind of battle and coming out with like a quarterback from it. So yeah, no, definitely, I think Jalen Hurts is going to be a, a kind of fighter that kind of sticks around the league, works really hard, and um, you know, potentially will become something really good. Yeah, obviously a number of other teams picking for the first time tonight: uh, Colts, Bears, Rams, Texans. I'm sure I've probably missed somebody else, but the surname. Bells. And- Bells. There you go. I knew I'd miss somebody. Thanks, boys. That's why I bring you all <coughs> just, to, just to write my rungs, just as we're doing it live. Thanks, fellas. Um, yeah, like you say, plenty of um, teams joining the party tonight. If you're obviously up and watching tonight, enjoy it. Obviously, hope your team gets the player that you are looking for. Um, I would love for the Browns to end up with either McKinney or Delpit. I think that would be huge for us at the back end of the defence. And that would be a good couple of days for us. But um, fingers crossed, like I say, if you're up watching it, enjoy tonight. Hopefully the NFL continues to put on the good show um, and no more technical issues from the commission tonight. Fellas, it's been a pleasure. Um, well done on a few hours, Kip. Um, let's uh, all go and have a quick power nap and get ready for rounds two and three tonight. And uh, we're obviously not going to do a pod over the weekend, but uh, enjoy the next couple of days for the six more rounds to go so enjoy it and uh, stay safe boys we'll speak again soon cheers Sean yeah cheers cheers lads see you cheers guys and of course in the great words of Kevin Cowdle let's end the pod in the usual way and say bye bye for now bye 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 thanks for listening to the full 10 yards podcast follow us on Facebook or Twitter at full 10 yards or email the show full 10 yards at gmail.com.